It's time to go full speed ahead with Michael Kelly. We roll through the latest news on the Bulls from the viewpoint of the man who oversees the program, Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly. We hope you're ready because it's time to go full speed ahead. Now with Michael Kelly, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Oh, it's been a while, but we are back on the podcast. Our new setup here in the conference room of Michael Kelly with the signage. I know you did that just for the podcast. It says Bull Speed Ahead. Great to be back, sir. How, how's it going? Uh, everybody's back. Crowds are back. It's been a nice little vibe here for the last month or so. It has been. It's great to be back with you, Derek, in person. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, great crowds at home so far. A lot of great opportunities uh, for every game we've had. And you're right. We, we're back in our own studio here, the Bull Speed Ahead studio. So we're <laughs> glad to have you here. So football, just wonderful having crowds. And, of course, uh, I, I do all the broadcasts for soccer. As we're taping this the day after the war on I-4, it was practically filled at Corbett. The, all the volleyball matches have been jammed. We even got one coming at the Ying, up at the Yingling Center for volleyball. I mean, all the sports that have had crowds, it's been wonderful with the turnout so far. Yeah, you know, one of the things coming off of COVID, you're a little concerned how are people going to react, what do they want to do. Right. And, and so far we've seen a really great pent-up demand to get back out <laughs> and do things. And so it's been we're grateful that we've been able to have full capacity facilities and let people be able to choose the seats they want. But uh, yeah, to have a in football to have a capacity crowd if the game would get like Florida and then a really good crowd with FAMU in town and then as you said both of our or all three of our volleyball games at home to date have been really uh, you know to the to the brink and uh, like you said soccer last night we had uh, you know almost 1,500 people there for for the war on I-4 so great to see uh, you can sense the students uh, have been coming out to those games our student athletes supporting each other at these games and then obviously. You know, great crowds we've seen at football, so it's been fun. we got a special guest on the podcast coming up. Before we turn it over to Michael and Chris Pierce, I did want to bring up uh, another bit of news of this day as we're taping it, and that is the release of the non-conference basketball schedule for both the men and the women. We already knew basically what the 2021 version was, and now we flip the calendar, and that's when the conference play begins. So let's start off with the men because (laughs) when the calendar flips, New Year's Day at home, and then a big game after that against Houston. I know they have some stuff leading up to that, but uh, chances, and a lot of them actually, at the Yingling Center, starting off with the beginning of the season and sort of crescendoing there with the, the Houston game. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting day when you get to have both our men's and women's full basketball schedules released and to kind of look at it. But as, as you mentioned on the men's side, when we look at the non-conference play, we're going to have an opportunity to, to uh, we play at Amelie Arena, and we're going to play on November 19th against uh, uh, Auburn. So they're projected a, a top-10 team. That will be a big opportunity for us. Then you've got – uh, we're going to be traveling to Boston College. Then we're going to go over over the uh, the Christmas holiday to go to Hawaii, where they'll take on uh, BYU and and potentially Stanford and others. So it'll be a great challenge, uh, you know, from from an overall non-conference schedule. But yes, as you mentioned, right on New Year's Day, we get a chance to open conference play for the men uh, against East Carolina, and then uh, four days later for uh, the first Wednesday of the that week on on January 5th to host a you know final four team last year in our defending conference champion in, in Houston so that'll be a big opportunity you know very uh, we know how talented and how uh, balanced the American is overall from mm-hmm. top to bottom on the men's side and and we've got an opportunity near the end of the year we know on March 3rd we're going to host Memphis who <laughs> also will uh, has got a great recruiting class and another we is projected to be a you know a top 15 top 10 type of a team as well so great opportunities to see a lot of folks in the angling center for our fans to come out and watch 
Uh, I talked about a lot about the non-conference schedule already for the men, but uh, one other thing I forgot to mention is right before uh, the men head to Hawaii, we've got a great opportunity down in the Miami area to play in the Orange Bowl Classic again, which gave us a chance where we uh, just came up to slightly short against uh, Florida State a couple years ago, and now we're going to get a chance to play the Gators down there. So uh, great opportunities for us to, uh, to, uh, to, to make a great statement in the non-conference play, and then it all heads, heads to getting ready for conference play and seeing what we can do. I tell you, talking to Brian Gregory and seeing those guys in action, Caleb Murphy, very exciting as a freshman. He just looks bigger and stronger, and I know they have a lot of new players, but these are guys, A, that the Bulls tried to get two or three years ago, so it's almost like, okay, now they're here, let's get them all together, and a lot of experience. I love Javon Green. I think Sam Hines, this kid, is going to be fantastic. It's, it's a lot of new names to get used to, but I think if you go out and watch the games, you're going to not only get used to them, but like them right away. Oh, you're exactly right, Derek. Very uh, engaging young man, very talented. Uh, if you kind of go back and look at what they were rated as high school players, like you said, they were, uh, you know, really highly rated recruits. So it's uh, it just kind of shows the momentum that our program's building and the recruiting uh, acumen that uh, Coach Gregory and his staff uh, have have put together. So we're we're excited uh, at what's going to happen there. And you're right, Caleb. Uh, who I know just celebrated his birthday this week is uh, has gotten uh, bigger, stronger. We're really working on his uh, his shot, and and uh, it's been it's been fun to watch. So it's uh, I'm very excited, and I think it's going to lead to maybe a little different style of play than what we've seen before. I think we're uh, while we always took advantage of uh, opportunities when we could, I think this team uh, likes to will like to run and be a little more up tempo than we've maybe seen in the past. And there's going to be a lot of drive and addition and, and three point shooting. Now a team that can also shoot three, as I've been able to call play by play for the women's squad for four years. I saw them at practice just the other day, and they are right in that mode already. Jose has put together quite the schedule. Uh, the opportunities for a non conference schedule, obviously, you have to take them when you can. And <laughs> I don't know if you're going to have anybody else in the country that's put together the type of non-conference schedule they had. And, of course, the chance to get uh, season tickets for that for, the, for a team that's just going to be fun to watch uh, as, again, the schedule is out now. Oh, absolutely. Now that we've got uh, both the men's and women's schedule, it's just a perfect opportunity for all Bulls Nation to very affordable options to buy season tickets for, for both programs, really. Get out there and, and make sure you have a lot of entertainment opportunities throughout the, uh, throughout the winter. But when you talk about our women's team, Obviously, defending champions in the conference for both uh, regular season and tournament play. Mm -hmm. Obviously, had a great uh, run. Was 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 leading NC State in the second round of the NCAA tournament and bring and essentially everyone back that played uh, you know strong minutes and then have complemented that with a lot of great uh, recruits and transfers. So we've got a really talented and deep team and and we're excited to take on the type of schedule that uh, uh, that, that that you're talking about. I mean, when you look at non-conference play and you know you've got. Uh, at Tennessee, and you know we're going to play, uh, you know potentially uh, UConn and Syracuse down in uh, down in the Bahamas, and then you've got a chance to play Stanford. We are going to play Stanford uh, down in the Bahamas, uh, just to mention a few of the non-conference games, and then obviously get into the throes of a you know very competitive American conference that we're excited about. But you can tell the respect for our program is there. Uh, you know, five of the national television con uh, national television opportunities for our American. Athletic conference on the women's side have uh, have all gone to, to USF. There's there's wow. seven that have actually been picked up, but to to know that we've been showcased in those opportunities just speaks volumes to uh, what the expectations are for our program, but also what we've earned over the past uh, past couple of years. And the other thing that's kind of special about this year is that this is this is going to be the 50th season of uh, women's basketball here at USF, and to have uh, Coach Fernandez at the helm for uh, uh, in essence 22 of those, I guess it just kind of shows the growth <laughs> that we've had and and the pride that, that, that we have in, in, in our program. So can't wait to get out there and, and continue to see our, our young women uh, challenge for a, 
uh, not only for conference championships, but I think their goals are now set higher. Now it's how do we go further and deeper into the NCAA, and this type of schedule uh, is what challenges you and hardens you to get ready for that uh, postseason run. I can vouch for that, and I can tell just by watching the very first practice that uh, they're they're getting serious right away, and it's going to be a fun team to watch. And you, what you make the point of as far as the television coverage, you see ESPNU, ESPNU, it is clear basically that USF is the draw from the American Athletic Conference eyes when it comes to television eyes. Well, we have a special guest that Michael will be chatting with. I know it's somebody that you really wanted to bring in here. Coming up next, the new Deputy Athletic Director at USF, Chris Pierce with Michael Kelly. In collaboration with USF Health, Tampa General Medical Group, and private practice physicians, Tampa General Hospital was just named one of the nation's best hospitals by U.S. News and World Report and the highest ranked in Florida in five specialties, ear, nose, and throat, diabetes and endocrinology, gastroenterology and GI surgery, orthopedics and rehabilitation. Tampa General Hospital, other hospitals practice medicine. We define it. We're back to Bull Speed Ahead with Michael Kelly. Today we are honored to have as a special guest one of the newest members of our athletic department staff, and that is Chris Pierce, who was recently named as our Deputy AD for Administration and our Chief of Staff, and uh, delighted to uh, be able to recruit her to uh, the Bulls after uh, a long 18-year uh, career to date at the Atlantic Coast Conference. So, uh, Chris, welcome. We're excited to have you on the podcast and with us in the USF family. Thank you, Michael. I'm excited to be here both on the podcast and in the department. All right. Well, let's talk about, uh, obviously, when you first uh, got involved at the ACC office, it started in the, the sport of football. And uh, obviously part of your roles here is, is the administration of, of, of the sport of football, which is a which is a great thing for, for us as we move our football por- program forward. But uh, tell us what was that was like then. And, and uh, you know, one thing I remember from my time there is you get a whole lot of calls about officiating. And uh, obviously you had a chance to uh, help um, – bring together and mold together a new championship with the, when the ACC started a football championship at that time. Yes, sir. So when I started at the ACC, that was right when we were expanding and adding Miami and Boston College and Virginia Tech, which meant that we also had the opportunity to start the football championship. But there were three of us in the football department. I was the secretary, so I got the pleasure of getting all of the officiating calls. You're right about that. And all of the brides called me because they wanted to schedule their weddings for the fall, and they needed to the football schedule. So <laughs> it was an exciting time, though. It was awesome because of the growth of ACC football at that time, being involved from the very outset of the ACC football championship game, which was obviously an important asset to the conference, but also just the chance to learn conference operations. When when there's three people in a department, you have to do everything. And that was what was really exciting as a young person in, in this industry and in my career was the ability to touch a lot of individuals and get to know a lot of individuals in the in the industry and within the conference and understand how a conference office operates so that was super fun well it was obviously a great way to break into a conference life and to and to be able to the expanded role of of football in the ACC at the time but your while you stayed in the same organization for a while your 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 career somewhat pivoted and ultimately became involved with uh, every sport in essence at the ACC ultimately leading as many as 25 championships which is a lot to manage but what I don't think people realize is it's not just the championships when you're conference office but you kind of uh, handle the different uh, liaison groups really the coaching groups for for the conference for each one of those sports so you're kind of dealing with you know all 10 soccer coaches and all 12 baseball coaches or whatever the number of the sports there are and which which I think is uh, obviously with your new role here 
to work within an athletic department, working with coaches and, and meeting the needs of them and the student athletes are what it's all about. Uh, and while it's a little bit more day to day here at a, at a campus life or in an athletic department staff, you certainly get a great f flavor for it uh, in, a, in a conference setting. But talk about how it is to how did you manage that many sports uh, at the same time, that many different uh, perspectives, coaches and all that sort of thing that all kind of comes together at the same time? Oh, what do you mean? There's there's not a lot of difference of opinion in a coach's <laughs> meeting or not. in a coach's groups. No, never at all. Uh, I had an awesome staff is the easy answer to say how I was able to, to manage all of those sports. And and you, we did have a very talented staff where you would you would divvy it up and you would make sure that people felt um, empowered to take those sports on and use them as a growth, growth opportunity for themselves, but also allow a chance for me to be a mentor to those um, and understand what they needed out of the sports and, and what those coaches needed. So in the conference office, which you really are in a day-to-day -day basis is a consensus builder. You're trying to build consensus among coaches uh, to, to move forward, whether it be legislation or schedule models or championship formats or, or anything that they're discussing in their coaches meetings. So you just have to do a lot of listening. You have to do a lot of repeating of what they've said, making sure that you understand the concepts that they want to forward and so that you can then take them to the next level and explain why it's important for that sport to continue to grow and, and make sure that it's making the impact that, that it needs to have for the conference or, or at the national level as well. So it is a lot of details. Um, there's always something going on. I, I always joke with the basketball department when I was at the ACC. I was like, you just have one sport. What do you do the rest <laughs> of the year? But there was always something going on, but I believe in busy being busy versus being bored. So that part was fun to it, and it was exciting to have something going at, at different times because you just got to see so many different student-athletes, so many different campuses, so many different championship experiences, and they were all they were all fun, um, and I was just grateful for the opportunity to be able to be a, a little bit of a part of it. Well, you were a lot of part of it, and obviously our, our, uh, our paths collided a little bit during that time. You were there from 2003 till 2021. I was there from 2007 to 2012, and, and uh, uh, always admired the, the great work that you did and, and, and were doing, and, and to be able to see even after I left for you to progress, not only from when you were almost assistant commissioner running those things to move on to senior associate commissioner ultimately and ultimately the senior women administrator for the entire conference and so maybe speak to that for a minute while that's not the specific uh, focus because uh, of your role here currently at USF but try to explain the role of an SWA in a conference setting eh, similar to what you're talking about with coaches I'm sure but obviously as we're trying to move forward and empower opportunities for women student athletes in particular but but it goes beyond that uh, and maybe explain that a little bit to the to, to our listeners in terms of, uh, you know, while that's a keen focus, it's really, uh, it, it's, it's, it's much more than that. It absolutely is. And I don't think folks really truly understand what an SWA is or what the SWA role is. I think uh, a lot of folks just have the misnomer that, oh, they just do women's sports and, that, and that's it. And that's a very antiquated look at it. Um, as a conference SWA, your role is, is really to manage the SWAs through the governance process, which is a lot of jargon to really just mean when there are recommendations passed forward from the coaches groups and they're going through the legislative process within the conference to the athletic directors, it first stops at the SWAs. And so they're really 
a gatekeeper for making sure that recommendations are in the best interest of the conference and, and making sure that we're moving things forward as they should within a conference structure. That is also replicated at the NCAA level, so the SWA has a very strong uh, role in the NCAA governance process as well. So that is really a conference office SWA certainly has some of the same roles as a campus SWA in making sure that there is gender equity, um, but, but there's not a lot of the same Title IX implications that there is at a conference, even though it's respected and it, it's certainly a, a um, issue that is upheld and you make sure that you're making decisions with Title IX in mind, but it's not the same sort of responsibilities that you have necessarily on campus. So a lot of times you are simply building consensus among the league's SWAs. You are furthering SWA matters as, as a conference through the national governance process as well. So a little bit different, but still still fun. So you have obviously had a lot of experience working with multiple sports of coaching groups. You've you worked with uh, administrators amongst all 15 uh, institutions of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So a lot of, like you said, consensus building, a lot of uh, uh, listening, try to find the right path forward. Um, you know, it's just kind of stepping back a little bit. It's probably uh, so many great uh, sports and, and history within the Atlantic Coast Conference and, and even back to your time breaking into football. I mean, it, who are some of the we'll, – we'll get to administrators next because they were probably very great influencers on your career as mentors. But but who who from coaches, even if they might have been, you know, challenging because they were, I'm sure, very uh, determined in their own right. But, you know, what, what kind of coaches did you enjoy or just admire working with because you've, you've obviously dealt with some legendary ones? Absolutely. Um, the first coach that comes to mind is Mike Martin. And um, Coach Martin, 11 as he's fondly called, was, was somebody that respected me from day one. And I, I wasn't sure that I had earned that yet coming into ACC baseball, which can be a little bit of an intimidating group. But from day one, he called me, he respected me, and he always he always treated me, like I said, with the utmost respect. So um, that was certainly something that I felt towards him and his career, especially as a coach who had that kind of success at that point in his career. Certainly didn't need to um, take anybody from the conference office, a young administrator, under their wing and, and show them anyway through the baseball landscape. But he was, he was one that I really admired to do that with. Um, the women's soccer coaches, which was one of the groups that I worked with a lot in – um, towards the end of my, my time at the ACC. And in that group, Steve Swanson was somebody that always helped um, me think through a lot of different, whether it be recommendations or policies or whatever it may be, and helped me understand the landscape of, of soccer. And so those are those are certainly two that jumped out. And then uh, the last one would be Amy Deem at Miami. She was one that was when I was young in my career overseeing track and field for the conference. She helped me understand what it was like to be um, a woman in the room, a woman um, in the sport of track and field, and, and how to really carry and present myself in a way that earned the respect of a lot of the other coaches too. So those were three. Well, that's always good to see different coaches guide the, uh, guide through different different paths. Uh, you know, a big part of a formulation of my career and my time at the ACC was having a chance to be the football coaches group liaison and just thinking through the uh, kind of uh, personalities and legends of the game that were involved in that. And again, everyone kind of contributing in different in different ways that was really, uh, you know, I have a similar type of uh, fondness and appreciation for, for all the coaches that I had a chance to work with. Um, before we get into some of the national landscape things that uh, that, that you've done governance-wise and things on the NSA level, but, you know, similarly, uh, you talked about some coaches that, that uh, you come to mind immediately, but what about some administrators that uh, you might have encountered on the national or even that, that uh, you worked with at, uh, in, in, in Greensboro that, that might have been influential in your career? Yeah, so I'll take it outside of 
the conference office building first and, and then come back to them. But, you know, the first few that jump out to me, uh, Jane Miller, who was a former SWA and, and senior associate at Virginia, was one that really taught me a lot about Olympic sports, a lot about the NCAA, a lot about the role of the SWA as, as well. Beth Miller, who also worked at North Carolina, she was also somebody that taught me a lot about the industry. Larry Gallo was somebody that really took me under in um, his wing and, and taught me how to really talk to coaches in a way that was respectful and wasn't adversarial or confrontational or anything else that it doesn't ever need to be and, and that how administrators and coaches can work together to, to achieve goals. So those are, those are some that, that pop off immediately to me in, in my mind for administrators outside of the building. Inside of the building, I mean, I, I was so fortunate to start in 2003 with there were legends in that building. We had Fred Barricat over men's basketball. We had Bernie McGlade, Bernadette McGlade over women's basketball. Um, John Swafford as a commissioner. Jeff Elliott as a chief financial officer. I mean, Shane Lyons at that time was in charge of compliance for us. So those folks continue to be giants in the industry today and they were at that time and so just to be a part and just to have a seat on the bus and in that team was just inspiring in and of itself and you, and you learned how to carry yourself and you learned how to get things done in a, in a way that was was positive and full of integrity from those kinds of individuals absolutely uh, obviously when you became SWA there at the ACC uh, another legend of the game that had kind of moved on uh, you know, kind of create that vacancy was Nora Lynn Fence, who was so instrumental in, in the women's basketball uh, committee nationally and everything else. So obviously you, you have a maintained and still have a, a great relationship with her to this to this day, I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. Norlin's awesome. Well, um, you know, one of the things that uh, that uh, I'm have the great opportunity to do right now is, is working with what's called the NCAA Division One Council. Uh, and then within that has different subcommittee work or committee work that, that you're involved with. And I've actually been assigned and I've only been a part of it for two or three months now is the Division One Competition Oversight Committee. Um, but you had the great pleasure of, of serving on that for a couple of years. And, and obviously what that does is basically manage the operations of championships for pretty much every sport but uh, men's and women's basketball on the NCAA structure because the CFP basically runs the postseason for, for football. So. What was that like, and, and, and what kind of different roles did you serve within that uh, in, in that construct? Yeah, so that was an awesomely fun appointment to be on the Competition Oversight Committee. Thought that I knew a lot about NCAA championships, so it really just opened my eyes to how much I really didn't know about NCAA championships. So while I was on that committee, I served as the chair of what is called the Team and Individual Sports Subcommittee, which sounds a little like an oxymoron but it, it's not so those were those were the sports in which you typically have individual competition the track and field the tennis um, wrestling gymnastics some of those sports and so through that I uh, also got to serve as part of the administrative oversight council I believe is, is, is what they called it the administrative group that met in between meetings to make sure you're dealing with any kind of um, last-minute issues at a championship, not necessarily from a weather, but more of a policy, entry procedures, and, and different things that needed to happen. So when I rolled on to the committee, it was, um, you know, four meetings a year, and you really got a chance to dive into some, some topics, and then COVID hit, and then we started meeting 
every month and then we started meeting every week <laughs> then it felt like we were meeting twice every week so it was a it was a challenging time to oversee NCA championships because the landscape just changed so much with COVID and and where we were with dealing with the pandemic as a as a country and certainly in the in the industry of college athletics but that was a that was a time where you really needed um, some quick decision making which was something that I felt was one of my strengths coming from the conference office because you're used to being at championships and having to make some quick decisions that you felt like were in the best interest of the conference so that was a fun and challenging time to be on the on the committee uh, learned a lot about how NCAA championships are financed a lot about selection procedures a lot about uh, how we've come to be at the spot that we are with NCAA championships emerging sports a lot of things that were on the list for us that I, I knew there were policies but I didn't know what they were and that allowed me a chance to really dive a little bit deeper and understand it from a national landscape well, I think that experience, and I think we all experienced it here as, as employees and, and obviously our student athletes here at USF and all of our fans will probably always look back at this last 18 months and that time that you served in that role in terms of realizing just how dramatic it was, basically a huge lesson in, in learning in crisis management because it was basically when you have every, you had half the conferences not playing at all, you have some playing some, some d delaying. <laughs> it was just a lot to get get used to and get get ready for and and it was uh while it's easy to criticize a lot of things that happen at a national level um you know when you when you're kind of doing the best you can with the information you have i thought that the that the uh, competition oversight committee did a great job and at least gave us the opportunity during that crisis to play ultimately we were just in a mode where we didn't think a lot of folks were even going to get a chance to play and y'all helped us find uh, a way to do that so i'm sure that uh, that crisis management should be very well uh, very well appreciated you know, one of the things that you and I have in common in our backgrounds uh, because of the, your championship experience, but it's it's uh, you know, very much uh, an event management-based ba background, uh, project management, and that's that's one of the things that, uh, you know, help, helped you stand out in our in our search for this, this role. But, uh, you know, talk about uh, how you see very precise uh, selection processes for sites and championship hosts that kind of go into the, you know, that, that are applicable to project management you've already experienced in your first couple of months here at, uh, at USF. Yeah, so when you're in a conference, you, uh, you have 15 schools and you have a lot of different interests. So I, I do think that that's something that on campus you also have a lot of different interests. But as we were looking for championship sites and different things, as you have to go through a selection process, it's really about collecting the information on the front end of what people need out of it and making sure that you're communicating that well. And then you just have to find the right fit. Um, sometimes the right fit in terms of a, a championship site doesn't mean what um, it's going to mean something different to everybody and then you have to you have to make sure that it you're putting the championship in a position to be successful so it's who's going to invest in it who's going to care about it who's going to grow it and where do you feel like you can really have the biggest impact um, from that and then of course you have to go through a lot of different nuances with that so that you can make sure you're protected whether it be from a legal standpoint or a financial standpoint but you also give a chance to be marketing successful and so you do you touch all these different areas as you're trying to find those sites and make sure that you're you're making a um, decision that is in the best interest of the organization that you represent and also you're making sure that you get buy-in along the way um, so you're, you're having touch points to make sure that the stakeholders do feel like they're a part of it that you're taking their feedback into consideration so that uh, again um, the site selection is really uh, a midpoint of a championship as you know from an event management standpoint you you know where you're going but then you got to make the event successful it doesn't it doesn't stop when you just award it to one site 
<laughs> Definitely does, especially if you're overseeing 25 different ones, as you mentioned. Uh, and obviously for your work there and, and work with the Competition Oversight Committee at the NSA level, you know, you were honored with some great things, as, as, uh, including Administrator of the Year by the uh, Women's Leaders in College Sports back in 2017. So uh, kudos to you on that. That's a great, uh, great honor, uh, obviously, with so many uh, uh, great institutions across the country to have that honor. So was a job well done. Thank you very much. I, I have some, some good people that support me that, um, without my knowledge, nominate me for, di for different things. So kudos to them for, for thinking so much of me. So you talked a lot about COVID and the challenges that brought to a conference setting and what it brought to the NCAA uh, structure as we try to pour, forge through with sports. You know, it was particularly challenging here for USF as it was for every institution. But, you know, we went through trying to make sure we could, we could obviously start with keeping your student athletes safe. How do we move forward with everything we're learning on the – on COVID and everything we were doing then. Then we were able to get all our seasons in and had great success there. But because of revenues and because of a lot of things that we had to forego, it was it was, it was was hard here in, in, in our staff in, in terms of we lost a lot of good people and, and uh, you know, ultimately our, our staffs was uh, was cut significantly. Uh, but as we start to come out of this this time, it gave us a chance to uh, uh, to rebuild, to analyze where we needed to uh, uh, you know, change for the future, uh, maybe do things a, a little bit differently. And part of that overall evaluation was the ultimate creation of, of, of this this uh, position that you're in right now. We've had, you know, administrators similar to this, but as we lost some, it kind of created the opportunity to, to find another member of our senior staff that could do this. And in your role as Deputy AD of Administration and Chief of Staff, uh, obviously there's pretty much nothing you don't touch, which is really cool, but uh, obviously it's also a situation where uh, kind of running a, a, on a day-to-day -day operation standpoint for the overall department, but then uh, really providing guidance and oversight to all of our sport administrators. Uh, certainly I, myself and you you can't administer all the sports by themselves, and that's why we have a whole team of administrators that, that work on things. Um, so as I looked at it and, and evaluated candidates for it, it seemed like everything you've described here about the consensus building by tr trying to implement policy but having enough flexibility to do what's right for the for the program is all things and skills that we needed to do but that's why you were attractive to us in this in this role but I guess as you looked at this new opportunity what made it here at USF in this role attractive to, to you I feel like USF is just really at the start of many more great things and I thought that was super exciting to come in at a time where you know that you can be a part of some some real change and you know that it's on a trajectory that's going up you know that there's some good people and you can feel the excitement from day one that I stepped into the building I just felt this energy this energy where everybody wants to get better and that you feel like you know a lot of people say your best days are ahead I feel like that really just kind of um, maybe doesn't do enough justice to the days that are behind you that were that were okay too but I do feel like we have a lot of um, future ahead of us that is very bright it's a young brand it's a young school in terms of an athletic department so I think that's fun because of all the exciting things that you can do you're not really bound by some of the old old traditions that you have with some other the, the other universities so we have a chance to be bold um, we have a chance to be innovative and we have a chance to really take our trajectory even higher and, and go and do some things and and that was really what attracted me to this to the school and then I will say to the athletic department just knowing that I could work with you knowing that you had been a mentor of mine knowing that you really consider problems in a different way that I do um, really felt like it can complement each other and we could make good decisions and and the sky was the limit so 
And Tampa's not that bad either. You know, <laughs> if you're going to live somewhere, Tampa, Florida is not, not the worst place to pick. Well, speaking of Tampa, it's a wonderful place. <laughs> Obviously one of the greatest cities in the world, but it also is a, a little different. It's one of the four, it's the, from what you've experienced, uh, I think people would be interested to know that while we're the, you know, in the t- a top 15 television market, I think top 12 television market, uh, your 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 original hometown was not quite that same same market. Maybe quickly tell us about uh, the metropolis that is Goldston, North Carolina. Goldston, North Carolina, 300 people strong. Uh, there are no stoplights. There are no grocery stores. There is one gas station, and there is one restaurant that closes at like 2 p.m. So um, it means that you spend a lot of time developing your creative skills outside and playing as a child, and you spend a lot of time in the car going to the next city over <laughs> in order to, to really experience some things. But it was a it was a great upbringing. It was a great childhood. Um, my parents still live in that same small town and it was wonderful but um, I do enjoy having a few um, more amenities close in Tampa <laughs> than Golston provided some entertainment options to go along with it too. that's right that's really, that's really good well it was a real credit because it was almost a reference check that I I thought you were exaggerating when you answered that same question in the interview format and I went and looked on uh, Wikipedia and you're right there's like 300 people <laughs> and uh, it sounds like a, a wonderful place to grow up obviously before we let you go obviously maybe just brag a little bit about your family who's also become a member of our uh, part of our USF family as, as a whole and and obviously they're a big part of you being able to do what you do for us but tell us about uh, Ben and Emerson and Ellington Thank you. Yes, um, I have an awesome husband, which um, I often call a saint because not only is he married to me, but he bits up with an entire household of, of girls. So he's got, we have two daughters. Um, Emerson is our oldest. She's a, 11. And we have Ellington, who's our youngest, who is seven. So they are starting the new journey in a new city. Um, both of them are very active and um, both love to read. The older one is, is really into reading, and, and she also is a dancer, and the younger one likes to take dance as well and um, they're both just wonderful little humans that that I love tremendously and Ben is an awesome chef he's the cook in the family so that is awesome to be able to to go home to a a very nice meal each night that, that he prepares and I gladly do the dishes so that's we're, um, we ha- we're having a lot of fun in Tampa. It's a fun city to be a part of, and, and we're getting adjusted to things. And they are, um, I think they have learned how to give the, the horns up now. I think we're successfully there, and they've enjoyed their first football game. And, um, yeah, they're having fun. So thank you for allowing me the chance to talk about them. Uh, absolutely. We're glad to have you. Ben is a, must be a great chef because I saw pictures of uh, even in a transition when you were at the Spring Hill Suites that he was still making uh, darn near gourmet meals, which my family would have, uh, I would have been bringing takeout in every, every night for sure. <laughs> but, Absolutely. But anyways, well, anyway, we're, we're delighted to have you and, and the rest of the Pierce family here as part of our USF family. I think the role that you will play uh, is already showing uh, great dividends for us and, and being able to uh, uh, bring focus and, 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 and uh, a great day-to-day direction for us as we encounter uh, growth. Uh, obviously, we've got a lot, a lot of things on our horizon that will lead to great growth, and we're just so pleased to have you as part of our team. So thanks for joining us. And thank you for having me.